You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Hey, everybody. This is Whitney Baldwin with Faith Christian Fellowship Leadership Podcast. And we are sitting at the table with Miss Cookie Brothers excuse me, Reverend Cookie Brothers, and Pastor Patrick Norris from LifePoint Church in Olathe, Kansas. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, I've been so excited to get to be with you guys again. We were talking about how it's family, and I feel like uh, Mm -hmm. that we just get to pick up where we left off. That's exactly what we want to do. Thank you. Awesome. So last time, our conversations went to really basically understanding or having a better understanding of why you do what you do kind of thing. Foundation for what we discussed. And if some of that may be carried over from us going through your workshop as well, Science of Freedom, but if you guys haven't gone through that yet, highly recommend that you do. And uh, we'll give you more information on that. You can just email me. Yeah, email. I'll send you the link. (laughs) So I've sent the link to I don't know how many people. Me too. (laughs) So it's just so impactful. So thank you for making that available to us. That's huge. But Uh, We kind of wanted to pick up where we left off. Whitney kind of had some thought processes that we mentioned to you, and um, so maybe that's a good place to start. You want to start there? Yeah, let's start with that. So recently I was watching uh, just a quick little video by Michael Todd. He's doing this series uh, called Crazy Faith, and he was talking about faith and forgiveness, and I thought, oh, that's a great topic to talk with Pastor Patrick about. Oh, good. Because... You know, we have so many traumas that happen, and we think that we've forgotten or forgiven that person. Um, and how does that affect our faith? So, yeah. faith and forgiveness from an internal standpoint. I love it. I love it. I think it's a great question. I think it's one that we all wrestle with. Mm-hmm. At some point in our lives, we're trying to figure out forgiveness and emotions, the intersect of that, uh, mm-hmm. and how to to regulate and even process through it all. Um, I think it's important to first define terms. You know, when you look at the word forgive or forgiveness, it's a word that means in the original language to release a debt. So the question we have to ask is what debt are we releasing? Because what do they owe us? What is it that we think they owe us? So if the very word forgive means blood. to release a debt. I'm going to say blood. Blood, yes. <laughs> your life. Yes, I, wa- I want all of your possessions, your cows, your goats. I want it all. And uh, a little blood. And a little blood. I want you to hurt. <clears throat> but forgiveness or to release the debt, what we tend to believe that they owe us is to reset us to our original emotional state. Hmm. What happens within our human experience is we encounter traumas, wounds, brokenness, and our brains pick up this narrative that now then becomes our emotional identity. This is what we believe about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when somebody offends, betrays us, what is so deeply wounding to us or what inflames us is the, the reminder that we feel we're not enough, we're not worthy, we're not valuable, and whatever they did causes that narrative that we've lived with for years now then to come alive. And we think that if they would just, if they would just come to us and say, I am so sorry, I, I just, I, I can't believe I did what I did or said what I said, 
I, I want to acknowledge my participation in your pain and I, I'm sorry. We assume that if a person would do that, it would reset us to this freedom from the torment of all that that has driven us our whole lives. Like a sigh of relief, like. It, <sighs> yeah, yeah, oh, so it wasn't me. But what's weird is, is it really doesn't reset you right. in the first place. Right. Because what you do is, as soon as they say that they're sorry, if that ever does happen, which a lot of times it doesn't, but if that were to happen, you realize I'm still living with all of this turmoil on the inside or what the Bible would call torment. I'm dealing with this rumination of ideas and feelings and thoughts that I can't seem to get away from. So what the word forgive literally is telling us is that we begin with what's called differentiation. And that's where I know who I am and who I'm not, and I know who you are and who you're not. And where we have merged our lives together, even to the point of enmeshment, where I don't know where I begin and end, and I don't know where you begin and end, what I do when I forgive is I begin by differentiating. I'm not you, you're not me. And I am not what you did to me. I'm not what you said to me. I'm not the betrayal. I'm not worthy of the betrayal because you did it. So in the differentiation now, I'm able to say, I release you from the debt. You do not owe me for me to restore and become whole. And so if you so choose to not restore relationally with me, restore trust, I can live with that because I can go before God and a network of healthy relationships and I can restore back to the identity that I am in Christ, mm -hmm. the identity of someone who's worthy, somebody who's valuable, somebody who's, who's not perfect, who is, is not flawless, but somebody who does uh, have the wherewithal to be valued, to be seen, to be heard. And so the first thing we have to think about with forgiveness is that forgiveness is that peace, and we have to limit it to that peace. Forgiveness is that peace where I'm not looking to you for me to restore to God's designed self of who right. I am. Then now I can turn, because I've released you from the debt, I can turn to all the emotional processing and begin to do the work with the Word of God. Paul would call it renewing the mind. I can turn and begin to reprocess all of the pain, all the sorrow, all the grief, the experience that happened, and begin to love myself in kindness and compassion to see myself and say, you know what? Um, I am not defined by what everybody else says or believes about me. Now, here's the hook, that if we don't separate or differentiate ourselves from the person, that we are not releasing them from the debt to reset us, what happens is all of our emotional life now cannot move forward in health. We can't process forward until that person does what we're expecting them to do. Mm -hmm. To we, we think they owe it to us to affirm us and make us healthy again. When it comes to faith, because again, Mark 11, 22 through 25, 22 says, have faith in God, 23, speak to the mountain. And if you believe what you say, it will obey you. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. And then verse 25, but when you stand praying, forgive. Mm -hmm. What's the association of forgiveness now to faith? 
Well, because faith is not just a transactional idea. Faith is where God's word and life and character and heart to you has so overwhelmed you, you have an emotional belief, a belief that is visceral. It's down integrated into your nervous system so that uh, you can, in the face of mountains or an attack of the enemy, you can have instinctive reaction to this is what God said about me. Right. This is the word. Well, when you are still tied to somebody, not differentiating yourself from them, you're still tied to them, hoping that they're going to reset you emotionally. It keeps your faith and that emotional processing of believing everything that God said neurobiologically and internally, it keeps that hostage. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult to believe God with an emotional instinct, a visceral nervous system level belief. It's hard to do that whenever you're still hanging on to a human to validate whether or not you're enough. So to me, forgiveness is not whether you have an emotion or not. If you've forgiven them, you've released them from it, but now the emotion is separate. you distinct from the releasing of the debt. Now, because I've released them from the debt of resetting me, I can begin to do the work to restore who I am and the wound that they created in me. If in time they're willing to move into a healthy relational interaction, you can involve them in the process of restoration, but the differentiation means I don't have to have you to be able to restore. Mm -hmm. I can still move forward and be all that God has designed me to be. I can be healed and whole, independent of you. Does that make sense? It does. So like if, let, let's just give this some pictures. Okay. So like if somebody wrongs me yes. and they, they don't say anything about it and I'm stewing yeah. and I go to them yeah. and I say, you know, I don't know if you're aware how this affected me. Yeah. And let's say that person doesn't say to me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. This is what I meant. If they say, let's say they say to me, hmm, that's an extreme reaction. Yeah. Why do you think you feel that way? Yeah. Well, now I'm just ticked off. <laughs> right. Where's your sensitivity? I just told you your role in yeah. this. And I don't need you to tell me how to deal with my flesh or my right. soul or whatever. Yeah. What, how does that look? Yeah. Where do you go from there? What does that look like? Well, I, I Based think. Based on what you just communicated. I think what you do in that scenario is when you share your heart, I think it's always helpful to use the word, when you did, this is how I experienced mm -hmm. it. So now what you're doing is you're not judging their behavior. Right. You're inviting them into their, your experience. Mm -hmm. So at that point, if they don't have the emotional intelligence, and I don't mean that like they're ignoramuses, right. but if they right. just haven't matured emotionally mm -hmm. or learned interpersonal skills mm -hmm. to be able to lean into you, to see you and to know you, if at that point they immediately go to the pragmatic and define who's right and who's wrong, then they're not actually engaging the intimacy of the relationship. And when they do that, if they, if they trigger that direction, that's where you have to internally say, you know what, they aren't there. Mm -hmm. They're not capable of, of moving into healthy relational interaction. And because of that, that's okay. Maybe in the future they will. Mm -hmm. But right now I differentiate myself and I release them from the death. They don't owe me anything mm -hmm. to be able to restore. I'm choosing to release that from them so that I can turn and now then be free to become whole. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 
I keep getting this uh, picture of like return to factory settings. Yes. You know, like that's what we're expecting this forgiveness thing to do is return us to our factory it's settings. really good. That is a great way to say that. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Hoping that they would, yes. What if it was a childhood trauma yeah. and they don't know what their factory settings are? Yeah. You know, well, like because it, it stunts their growth emotionally. If, if, if it was a big T trauma that happened to them as a child, yep. they have no concept to, you know, progress further than this. Yeah. We, we hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. There's so many awful situations that happen to children on a daily basis. Absolutely. Then they become an adult and they're having to deal with the things that tormented them in their child in their childhood. Yeah. And so they revert back to that childhood emotion and it's centered at that person that caused it as opposed to the actual issue itself and how they've Absolutely. not managed the emotion moving forward. Absolutely. Okay. And the whole thing is a journey. I mean, it's a process. So uh, when we're now adults and we know that there's things that we are hyper-reactive towards because of childhood uh, profiling, our mm -hmm. brains have built a map system so that now if anything looks like that, we act with high energy. Mm -hmm. uh, what we have to do is first become attuned to what are the systems firing off in me? Right. And what is the root system or what Hebrews 12, 15 says is a root of bitterness that springs up to mm. trouble and defile. What is that root? So we first become attuned to the system. And when we look down to the roots of what it is, we may uh, discover that there are certain individuals that love us dearly that would actually be hurt in their own thinking if they thought they were the ones that wounded us and built that map system. <laughs> and, um, and while we're discovering that, we may see that they are people that, uh, that now then I'm, I'm realizing, you know what, they contributed to the architecture of who I think I am. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're now able to move to forgiveness. But if you aren't even aware that they were the ones who perpetrated, mm -hmm. uh, betrayed, they grieved you, uh, they broke trust, they built for you insecurity or anxiety, uh, they confused you because at one point they're hugging you and kissing you and the next second, you know, five minutes later they are abusing you sexually, verbally, physically. Um, if, uh, if you had a parent who was, was a rager, and they sometimes would discipline you not by loving nurture, but discipline you with a raging energy and anger, a gritting of the teeth, the eyes that are just looking at you and you're interpreting as you are a pathetic excuse for a human being. You are so stupid. You're such an idiot. When you are seeing that, it's building brain networks in you that uh, somehow you see yourself that way mm -hmm. now. It's emotionally what you believe about yourself. So when you come to that conclusion that, oh wow, these roots are actually involving humans, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, coaches, you name it. Mm -hmm. When you recognize that, then you start moving in that, okay, I'm gonna differentiate myself from them. Mm. I'm now then going to release them of the debt and then I'm going to go to work on myself. Now, working on myself may mean that I cycle back around to them mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I begin to have 
a conversation, a bid for restoration with them. I might do that, but in doing that, I'm not doing it now hoping that they're going to hit our factory you know, setting reset. Uh, it's not going to reboot the computer and, and get rid of all the, the wrong things that all have been ma messing my computer up. Uh, so when, when I do that, uh, I, I'm not looking to them to make me whole. Mm -hmm. I'm going through a, a process that will help me to be whole, and I'm not needing them to contribute. Now, if they do, it's helpful. If they do restore, if they are able to say, listen, before we say anything else, I am so sorry. I hate that I wounded you. And they lean in on you and they care for who you are. Mm -hmm. And they say, tell me more as to what your experiences in life have been since, how that profiling and mapping now created certain beliefs and behaviors that tell me more. And they get into the pain with you. Now that's somebody that in that moment, you can, you can say, you know what, this could be really helpful, mm -hmm. but here's what I want to say about forgiveness. Even if they don't, you don't have to have that to be able to restore. Mm -hmm. You do need other humans mm -hmm. because other humans will be able to gather with you and they will give you feedback. And there's nothing like human feedback that gets deep into the neurocircuitry to rebuild the way your belief systems are about you. Humans are incredibly important. What we call it in the Bible or in theological terms is, is incarnation, mm -hmm. that actually Jesus wants there to be the incarnate Jesus mm -hmm. through people, through the body, mm -hmm. through uh, his church. So, yeah, um, I think I answered. You did. You did. That was great. Now, I'm going to ask this because during the workshop, I've thought about this the whole time and it's annoyed me so much, is the involvement with other people, and you just said yeah. involve other people in yes. your process. It doesn't have to be that person, but you have to involve somebody else. Why can't it just be you and Jesus? <laughs> Why? Why? Is it because of your pride? You don't want to expose all this? Well, or? this is going to bring in a whole other topic that we're going to cover. The shame of, yeah. you know, you make us write things down, say things out loud, and it just stirs things up, you yeah. know? And you just don't even, you don't want to be vulnerable with somebody else about the problems that have, you know, haunted you your yeah. whole life. But why is it important to involve a community or people around you? Um, can you go into that a little yeah, bit Yeah, absolutely. forgiveness and... Well, first, I'd never want to minimize what a relationship with Christ can do. Mm -hmm. I never want to minimize that. I would never want to say that Jesus and Jesus alone can't do certain things. Absolutely. But I will say that in the beginning, God said it's not good that man would be alone. Right. We know that uh, James 5, uh, 14, 15, 16 tells us to confess your faults, your sins, one to another that you may be healed. It's interesting that healing comes through the <clears throat> connection of another human being. I don't believe that verse is telling us that we just gather somebody around us to be our pharisaical judge and we just tell them all that we've done wrong and then they you know, put their hand on our head and move along. I believe that he's talking about that we have wounds in relationships. So if we're wounded in relationships, and so catch this, if we're wounded in relationships, we're healed in relationships. Mm. It requires it. Okay. 
Now then let's go deeper. If we're wounded in relationships, what do we mean? Relationship experiences. There has to be an experience in a relationship for you to be wounded. In that same way, you have to have healing in relationship experiences. Hmm. You have to have an experience in a relationship. So in, as you, as you uh, may remember from the first podcast, I'm certified as a sexual addiction professional with the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals. This is the leading organization for people who suffer with any kind of sexual acting out. So we dig into the human experience of their sexuality and what causes maladaptive behavior around it. So catch this, that if uh, there's someone who is uh, accessing pornography and they're doing it in isolation, it will impact the brain. But as soon as you involve another human being, the neurocircuitry goes to a whole nother level of depth and power. So if, as an example, you go from somebody who's looking at porn and then they move towards even involving a, a telephone sex or sexting, you know, text sex uh, conversations, because it's another human being, the brain processes that at a much deeper level, which now then means that the recovery time is gonna be much longer. Wow. Now then you move that to, you join your body physically to another human being and have sexual relations. Now you have impacted the brain at an extreme level. And then if that happens multiple times with multiple partners, the brain now can't just reset. You've got to take it through a processing and again, I'm talking with the assumption that a person doesn't access an immediate miracle. So when I think of that, um, I think of even like the madman of Gadara. This is a guy who had a legion of devils. Jesus cast the devil out of him, and then he's sitting in his right mind. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious. I wonder if that means that he went back to factory reset. Mm. I kind of think that the rest of his life, he was still walking it out. But even though he was, he was put in a freedom of mind. Yeah. Well, that was a miracle. That doesn't seem to be the example of everybody that Jesus interacted with. Right. So I, I would come back to say that the reason we have to have each other is because of the way the brain is designed. That if you're wounded with another human being, you're going to need another human being. In fact, we believe, and this goes back to watching patterns of behavior, seeing outcomes in multiple hundreds or even thousands of people, that when you, when you see uh, these patterns, we typically call that psychology. In fact, psychology, to me, is not uh, the inerrancy uh, or the authority of our lives. But when we talk about psychology, what we're talking about is that there has been these very focused, observable instances of hundreds and thousands of people and what happened to them in principle now then created these kind of outcomes. And when we adjust this beginning principle, it now then shifts the outcome and it's just observation. 
And I believe it's a part, fits under what we would call general revelation, which is natural revelation of God. It's like the earth. It's like when we look at the principles Jesus would teach around ravens or seed time and harvest or uh, the stories that he would tell, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, all that. All that is using natural observable ideas now then to establish truth. The thing about general revelation while I'm on it, is that general revelation is not inerrant or authoritative, but it does give color commentary and helps us understand spiritual truths. Well, in that same kind of way, in this area of psychology of needing humans to help you restore and recover, um, in some of our process groups, these are small groups of people with a therapist, and each person begins to work out some of the things in their life, when they are able to be met with emotional intelligence and interpersonal skills, not only by the therapist, but the people in the group, when they are able to be met in that context, healing begins to happen. And this is something that, uh, that we lean into, and that is that if you are wounded by a female, a woman in your life, it's good to have a woman in the process group to help restore you. If you were a woman and, or a man and you were wounded by a man and the, it's caused the deep profiling of your e emotional energy reactions, then it's good to have a man who meets you there because the way God designed our brains is that we reprocess those wounding experiences, those grievous experiences. We reprocess them with human beings. Mm -hmm. That's why throughout the whole Bible, you've got this <laughs> emphasis on relationships, the emphasis of connection. Even God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, this Holy Trinity is this most intimate model of relationship that Jesus would say that they, talking about all the followers, we would love each other the way that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit love each other. There's no competition. There is this leaning in. There's shared experience. There's intimacy. God created us relational beings. And so what we do, and Whitney, I can imagine that you're like me and most preachers are this way. We would much rather read a book and be sent back to factory settings right. or watch a YouTube video or a workshop. Push a button. Push a button. Yeah, get that. That easy button. Get the easy button. <laughs> That's exactly. But it's interesting because your brain has to experience it. That makes perfect to sense. To restore. That makes perfect sense, actually, for me. And I'll give an example. Yeah. I was in a really bad relationship before I met my husband. That's how I have my first son, Hugo. I'm very terrible. That's the only word for it. Awful, terrible, horrible. So sorry. Oh, you live, you learn, right? So anyway, meet my husband. And any argument we get into, I just think we're going to, this is when we were dating. I just think we're going to break up and that's going to be it. And there was one day, he, he's from another state, and he was saying that he missed the place, he missed home. And I was like, well, if you go home, I, I can't come with you. Like, our relationship would end, because I'm a single mom, I have to stay down here. And we didn't talk for three days, and I was moping, it was so sad. But anyway, he comes back and he says, just because we get in an argument doesn't mean I'm going to leave you. And that was it. Yeah. We never had an argument about that ever again. Yeah. Like that was it. So for when you're saying that's exactly, I was like, that makes perfect sense as to why I feel secure in my relationship with him. I mean, other restoration has happened also, you but bet. 
That makes perfect sense. That is beautiful. What a great example. That's so true. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.